Are you ready to rewind? Take a nostalgia build ride back to a simpler time. It's Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. And now your hosts, Joe Morata and Michael Quinn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number five of Acid Wash Memories, a retro pop culture celebration. Today, we're talking about CD. Yes, yeah, CD. I am Joe Morata, joined by the Sony Discman himself, Michael Quinn. How you doing, Michael? Hi. Hi there. CD. CD. We're compact a, disc. A compact history of the compact disc, oh, if I you will. See. I, you see, what I, I did? see the, the thing. The correlation. Yeah, I always make much. the little things before the show. Well, folks, thank you for making the time here to uh, put us into your CD player. Uh-huh. As we celebrate... Yeah, podcast on <laughs> yes. CD. It's a new format. It's a whole new format. As we celebrate another slice of retro pop culture, I guess I should say, this has turned out to be an unintentional and, I guess, unofficial trilogy now with the last two weeks of discontinued or, or more obsolete media. The history of something. <laughs> yeah, like, between AOL yeah. and then last week with the video store. what's on our mind lately. I guess so, right? Yeah. Thank you guys for putting us on your mind. We really do appreciate you listening here. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. And you can also follow us on Twitter at AWM Podcast and join our very friendly Facebook. It's friendly. It's so friendly. It's a very friendly time. The friendliest. Thank you guys for being with us, though, in all seriousness. So we're talking about CDs, which were... To use a word apparently that I use, Quinn, ubiquitous. Yes, uh, growing they, up, they for were us. the most ubiquitous. <laughs> That's why we got living in the '90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes. But really, CDs—if you were born in the '70s or '80s, as a lot of our listeners were—there might have been a time where they were new mm-hmm. or kind of whoa, that expensive new format. That's what my family yeah. was for like the first half of the '90s. Same here. Yeah. In a few years, your turntable may be gathering dust in the corner next to that old stack of albums. Instead, you'll listen to the latest hits on a compact disc player. And then eventually, everyone just had a CD player, multiple CD players. Your computer had a CD player. It started player. to become like, you don't have CD? Question mark? Yeah. Like, How do you not have CD? Yeah. Right? Everything's <laughs> on CD. <laughs> exactly. Encyclopedia's on CD. Microsoft Encarta 97 Encyclopedia Deluxe. Games are on CD, right? All sorts of things. And today we're going to kind of run through the history of CD, its popularity, its decline, and the reasons why, and some of our memories of having CDs. Mm -hmm. Because really, when I think compact disc, I think music. Yes. Right? I think most people do. But I remember in the early days of CD that it was all about multimedia. Multimedia. Like, they don't don't just hold music. They can hold data or they could hold um video or they could you know they could you could Pictures. put anything on them that yeah. has zeros and ones it just fits on the cd <laughs> exactly the program you are watching may look like a standard video training program however a closer look reveals this video is made possible through the magic of cd-rom technology and we're going to talk all about that but you guys that had cds maybe you still have your cds you have collections of cds send them to us at awm podcasts on twitter post them in the group we mm. want to see your big towers we want to see your binders oh, yeah, if you the, still the got CD them towers absolutely you know what i like the ones that did the the squiggly on oh the, the, squiggly. On the way up the that de- was very artistic the high decor yeah of cd always being like display. the rich person's house on tv <laughs> connecticut maybe yeah yeah no like if they were like this person's rich they have like a spinny the cd squiggle. the squiggle cd <laughs> yes. things but where did how did this all get started i mean obviously we know music has been what is music no <laughs> it's a collection of notes and harmony and melody stop 
No, but it's been around uh, since people were around. Mm-hmm. But listening to it in some kind of form that wasn't live, like being played at your face. A relatively new invention. Relatively. I mean, it dates back to the 1800s, though the later part of the 1800s. There was the phonograph. We're just going to start with that. The phonograph was invented by Thomas Edison. Wasn't they on like tubes or something that they wind up? Well, yes. Okay, so there was the phonographic cylinder. Yes. And then eventually the phonographic disc. Now, Edison, he was a very big proponent of... Of the cylinder. Right. Now, the cylinder was made of wax initially, mm-hmm. and it's not like uh, I've ever had one of these, so I'm not going to personally vouch for the sound quality. I'm pretty quality. sure that had something to do with either A, he had the patent because he's a big asshole, or B... We're just trashing Thomas Edison right out the gate. Well, because he was known, like, like people learned this in the recent times, that he was a big... <laughs> patent guy and it, it, that's why like he pushed some of these weird technologies that didn't catch on the whole even though there was like dispute. a better way to do it and even in his time he would be stubborn. like stubborn fuck that <laughs> i invented this we're not i don't have the patent on that we're doing it this way well all you edison defenders please tweet at michael quinn at awm podcast ACDC. yeah acdc yeah. not the band but yeah it was on cylinder i've never heard one so this is a one-of-a-kind piece. There's no other one like this particular one in the world. It's really cool because it, it records much more accurately than... Oh, shit. By the turn of the century, maybe 1910s, give or take, Edison realized, okay, the disc is the way that this right. is going to go. And that's what became to get more widespread Wasn't adopted. Was like Edison discs that were different somehow? Probably. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's a little bit different, but I have the patent on it. Like, <laughs> well, you know, in the, in the early days of a new format, there's always the other things like HD, DVD, yeah. you know, versus Blu-ray and all that. Now, you know, I love the way the record works. I think that's actually like go such ahead. an interesting idea is that basically... There's ridges inside each of the the little circles you see on yeah, the record. The grooves. And when the when the needle goes over them, it goes up and down and up and down, and mm-hmm. that represents sound to the speaker. To the hi-fi, if that's you will. That's literally like how music works in in like audibly. And I just think that that's so cool that it's like a analog representation written on a microscopic level. That's a good point. And it comes point. out loud. You know, that's a good point, though. I mean, the, there is a limitation to what you can fit onto a disc because right. of the space and the grooves needed to produce the frequencies. I do know this. The first widespread adopted disc was actually the 78 RPM revolutions per minute. Mm-hmm. And that is very short per side because it's spinning so fast. Right. And that is where the term album came from because, right. because you couldn't fit 12, 14 songs on one disc. It would come in an album of several discs. Mm. And that is where that term came from, and it just stuck. Yeah, that's funny, actually. I never thought about the term album, but it doesn't make sense that it's just one disc. It wouldn't be multiple. It was an album of discs, so that's where that happened. And the 78 was the de facto standard. It was made out of shellac at one point. Again, the quality, can't vouch for it, but what I do know about 78s is that they were scratchier, they were lower fidelity. But by 1931, development started on the long play phonograph. The LP. The LP. And the first commercially released one was 1948. So, again, for a little perspective, post war, Mm -hmm. right? We're getting closer to the 50s. We're getting closer to television, the end of the golden age of radio. And and the technology kind of like explosion post the war. Exactly. In general, like everything being refined and better and just 
and digital eventually coming along, but digital the natural does, evolution yeah. of, of all of this, yes. Exactly. And by 1949, one year later, was the first 45, and the 45 obviously spun at 45 RPM, and they were smaller, and singles were released on uh-huh. those. So those are your two record standards. And basically, during that period of time from the late 40s until the late 80s, about 40 years, the standard where you'd purchase your music, the way you'd listen to it at home, and the way people marketed their albums was on LP. Right. Order 28 of the Beatles' most popular songs, now available on two records. But there were a couple of other things in between all this. Let's start in 1963 with the audio compact cassette. Yes. So now we get to tape. Magnetic tape. It works differently. I don't know the science of magnetic tape per se, but the point remains is that it was another format of music and like a tracks and your cassette tapes. Those were kind of it's the same technology just works a, a little bit different. Yeah. A track was also a tape. But, uh, that, but the advantage was so all this time, right? People like to listen to music in their car or on the go. Right, exactly. But they couldn't. They couldn't carry a record around and spin it, and then you got to balance it right. Right, and, it's gonna be skipping all over. You hit those potholes. Do this and this cassette technology. It's like it locks the tape in place and it spins it and runs on. It can run on a battery yeah. or whatever. Yep. Whatever kind of power source, or it could run on a car. You know. And so this was the preferred, I guess, mobile method mobile of carrying your albums or price efficient. You know what I mean? Like if you wanted a cheap copy of a record, you could get it on tape. And I think something that will come that I think we should bring up now because it will come into play with CDs later is the Walkman. That's when like to me, tape exploded. Like everyone had fucking tape. When I was growing up, the records were already abandoned. People were just, everyone had just a ton of fucking cassettes because you could take them anywhere. They sounded like relatively similar. I mean, obviously audiophiles will say no. Of course the records were better and I know that now. But back then, I didn't have any reference. This was just how the music was and, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Sony introduces the only cassette player as small as a cassette case. The incredible sounding Super Walkman. That's a good point that you made, though, about the Walkman, because cassettes, like I said, were invented in 63. Right. But I don't know that they really started gaining more prominence until the 70s and into the 80s, Sony's Walkman obviously being a huge reason. 1979, I believe the Walkman I believe it was, yeah, yeah, late 70s. And the, and the Walkman just changed the game. Every All of a sudden, everybody wants cassettes, because they work in your house and they work on, on the go, so it's, right. it's fucking perfect. And the technology was relatively inexpensive. Right. And what's interesting about the compact cassette is they took an existing technology of reel-to-reel tape, of you know tape passing through heads. Miniaturized and it. And they just miniaturized it. And you mentioned 8-track. That coexisted at the same time as cassettes. They actually came out right around the same year. Right, but A-Track was popular first, right? Because I think yes. something to do with, like, they were in cars, they, like... Was that the car manufacturers maybe pushing that or something? Well, you know those manufacturers. Like Chevrolet and all them. <laughs> General Motors. They probably were getting some cut of the A-Track business, probably right? Probably were. Uh, but it was a good portable business. It was, right. uh, you want to listen to the AM radio, because FM what didn't have as much going on. Or they, you want to listen to your album on 8-Track. Radio Shack has a super half-price deal now on an 8-Track car stereo tape player. Regularly $59.95. Now just $29.95. But that worked differently, right? That's literally like eight tracks of tape, and it actually has to switch between them, yes. and there was a click. Yes, and you know what's interesting is I actually, growing up, had a friend in the early, mid-90s whose dad had an old eight-track player and a, a bunch of cartridges. I only saw an eight-track. I never actually 
we didn't have a machine or anything. I Nobody had personally. them in their house. Nobody had them in their house. They weren't really as popular. They were more popular for cars. Yeah. Uh, their peak was 1978, right around, right. right before the Walkman. I think the Walkman like kind of like extinguished a track. It did. Uh, yeah. And they started getting phased out in the yeah. early 80s. Uh, in fact, People stopped releasing on them widespread in retail in the early 80s, but they were still offered in those mail-away music things until 88. That's usually how those technologies uh-huh. go, right? They kind of they have this lingering period where they they're linger. they're falling out of style, but somebody's got the, you know, the machine to make them, so they'll just keep pumping them out until nobody will buy them anymore, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. You get two records, two cassettes, or two eight-track tapes. This special Hank Williams offer will end with no advance notice. So I did hear some 8-track, and man, I know it was about 20 years after the fact. You know, they were probably from the 70s when I yeah. heard them in the 90s, but they sounded like shit. Yeah. My they dad did. would always say that, that like even the, the cassette was like an upgrade, you know? So, uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and that was, I mean, okay, so we're heading into, the, we're in the cassette era. Definitely. Cassettes are running wild. Yep. Like you got your Walkman, they're in your car, you, yep. you come home, you got that two cassette thing so you could copy stuff. Oh, the double deck? The I double love deck, those, and you yeah. Could make, and I think that That'll come into play with CD2, why we need to keep that into context, too. The, the, the recording factor. Absolutely. Right? So cassettes have this, you can buy blanks, and you go record stuff off the radio. And yep. I knew people who actually would record the radio for hours and then just like clip out yeah. just the songs they wanted and put it onto another cassette, which is deck. why they needed two decks. Exactly. It was right? very efficient. A dubbing station, yeah. if you will. So this is all analog, mm-hmm. as we've mentioned. This is tape. But you mentioned a little bit earlier, digital, right? Ones and zeros. Yes. Well... They started tinkering with the digital audio disc in 1957, but it wasn't really until 1969 that Philips was working on something called the audio long play using laser technology. The the missing link here, the lasers. To read the data, right. And in 1978, Philips launched the Compact Disc Project, which was based on a similar technology to what they were also developing Laserdisc. Yes. That's another Laserdisc is like a whole different yeah. animal. Yes. It's, it's like analog somehow. It like is. It's not it digital. Yeah. yeah. Like it's very strange, but we that's a whole other, that's a whole other episode. whole other ball game. <laughs> but what was even more surprising is that Philips is one big company, right? Electronics company. Who joined up with them on the Compact Disc project, but none other than Sony. Yes. Sony. They're going to co-develop this thing. Yes. And I think that's why it was so successful. Because there wasn't really competing things. Like, usually Sony liked to make their own deal. Yeah, like beta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, exa- you know, that's just the way they were. Mini disc later Mini on. Disc, like, yeah, yeah. Just like, <laughs> Good point. Like, they have their own SD cards that are Memor X. Memor X. Is that what they're called? Like, so dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. In 1980, Philips and Sony worked together and unveiled the Red Book standard for digital yes. audio CDs. The Red Book. You always hear the about Red the Red Book. Book. What is a Red Book standard audio CD? I don't know! The nuts and bolts of it, Quinn, tell me if I'm wrong, is a list of criteria that the disc and the audio on it must yeah. conform to. It's just a standard it's so a that, standard. like, all the. It's all, I think it's really so all the players could just know what to read. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you have so to, all, like, because if you think about it, right, they're like, essentially, there's like a file system on these things because they're digital. They're yeah, like, yeah. It's a, you know, it, there has to be a way that they're read. And so essentially, Red Book was like, 
it's like what now you know your file system on your computer's NTFS for Windows yes. or something like that, right? It's kind of like that. It's not Fat thirty two or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Fat thirty two is older. But what does Fat mean? Why is it Fat? I forget. It's not as a stupid name like you would think. I just forget the what it's. It actually for. is an acronym. Yeah. It's not just to be funny. No, it's okay. it's like it's an, an actual acronym for like something that makes sense. File access transfer. It's, I don't it's know. It's something. It's probably <laughs> like that. Yeah. But there were other standards that I do want to touch upon. We'll do it now. We might yeah. as well. We're talking about red. There's this whole thing, and you can look it up, called the Rainbow Books, and it's all the different colors that are in this uh, group of standards. So the CD, obviously, again, 1980 is the Red Book. I'm just going to run through these. We'll talk about them, and then we'll get back to the CD itself, the okay. audio CD. But there was the Yellow Book, which is the standard for CD-ROM, read-only memory. Which would be very prevalent in the computer business. Exactly. Monopoly CD-ROM, the new way to have it all. What are some things that we might find on CD-ROM, Quinn? Video games for your computer. Yep. And later, PlayStation and things like yep. that. It, like Microsoft and Carter, like software. Programs, like, yeah. Pro- just programs. Yep. Now, people didn't really keep video on CD, but no, but they CD-ROM, could, it I could mean. It could be released on CD-ROM, yeah, sometimes right? you would, a file. Like, like I said, with the Encarta, there was video files in there of files. like a tiger prancing around and shit. Like, like oh, look at this. Like, Wait, you know. Is that real? Yeah, like I they, think it was. There yeah. was like interactive pages of, of ninety seven yeah, or one yeah, of those. It was huh? One of those because it's like why not, right? But then, <laughs> yeah, CD ROM you can't write onto it. No, like it's, it's once it's written, it's done. Read only memory. Yeah, and, and those of you keeping track of the years, the standard for that was nineteen eighty three. Although okay. again, that's another thing that yeah, the standard was established in eighty three, but. I didn't remember hearing about CD-ROM until about the mid-90s, early right. 90s. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but... As young as I can remember, as soon as we had a computer, it had a CD-ROM in it. And it was like, a big deal. Yeah, and it was it was like, wow, we got a computer with a CD-ROM <laughs> and a floppy disk? Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, you're on the money. Yeah. Just get a zip drive and you're all set. I remember it was like very hacky, like somebody bought a CD-ROM after the fact and like shoved it in there. Oh, kind I of remember situation. those. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. The shove-in method. Yeah. Oh, come on! Uh, there was the Green Book... In 1986, and this was for CDI, this is a Philips thing, clearly, mm-hmm. most infamously would be used for their Philips CDI video game system. Interactive, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. It's called CDI, and it works for your TV to bring you the ultimate in movies, games, and family entertainment. Awesome. Awesome is right. Now, that's basically... Why did they need that when CD-ROM <laughs> exists? Why did like, they need that? You know what I'm saying? It's like CD-ROM was pretty much... Like the one that, as far as multimedia was concerned, that people went with. I guess it was because it was more of like an educational tool because it was, it was, I was just going to say it was more interactive, but it is. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm guessing it could, like, based on what you pressed or whatever you were based, based, uh, based, based on your input, you you could, it, would, it could go to different parts of the disc and get it, right? Get a different output, I yeah. think. Yeah. But it didn't catch on clearly. If anyone knows anything about the Philips CDI video you could game do console. the same thing with CD ROM once the speeds got fast enough. Yeah, but I guess they weren't in the eighties. Yeah, maybe that's what maybe that was the thinking is if we make one separate because the speeds are not fast enough right. to like go around the disc or whatever. That might be it. And of course <laughs> Philips CD I've put we're gonna use it now, like <laughs> yeah. ten years later. Yeah. When nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. There's the orange book standard, which is for two related ones. C D R. So there was C D R. You would get the C D Rs, but if you wrote onto them. No go afterwards. Yeah, one Only time. one one time right. Yep. But this was big in the CD burning days, right? It was huge. Yeah. CDRW, on the other hand, you could rewrite it, which was good, but a lot of CD players couldn't read them. Correct. Like that, that was the problem. So it they is were a different mo- format. They were mostly for storing like files and stuff. Right. CDR was 91, CDRW 97. Again, right. for those of you keeping track, I guess we should 
So, because we're we're going to go over the history, but why don't we talk about this specific aspect of it real quick? The CDR NRW market, because when I first got a CD burner, yes, that was a game changer. Oh my goodness! I mean, especially in the Napster days, it was exactly it was the hot shit. It was like because first of all, up to that point, up to the CDR. The whole drawback of CD and what we talked about before with the tape was, you know, the tapes out of the box, you know, forever. You could, from the beginning, you could write anything onto them, yep. right? You could have, you could write over a tape from that had Michael Bolton on it and put yeah. Tina Turner on it if you wanted. That's right? a good swap, you know, like whatever. I'd probably do that. But the point is, is you could do that, right? Yeah. And CD, it was like the one like glaring missing thing, right? The quality's better, everything's better. You know, you don't have to rewind all this stuff, right? But but you can't write on to them, right. right? And it was like, this This sucks, right? It did. And then CDR came along. But the see, it's. I just think it's funny that you only got like half the functionality. Like tape, you could do, rewrite it. And then right, later you it. get the rewritable, but then it's not, you can't. <laughs> Those things pissed me off, it the rewritables. It was so fucking annoying. <laughs> like, it was like, finally, it's like tape. Hell yeah. You get it out of the box and then you slowly realize, I don't own any device that could read this thing yeah. other than my computer. What the fuck? Like, it was frustrating. Yeah. It was good for data. It yeah. was good for storage. And that's what I mostly used it yeah. for. You know, put a bunch of ROMs on it or something. Right. Yeah. But forget trying to make like a nice album playlist and then play it in your car. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you're boned. Mm -hmm. So we'll probably come back to that as part of the whole decline or rise of CD. But I just wanted to pause on CDR. There was also the Beige Book. I've never heard what? of it until doing this. No. <laughs> when did the Beige Book come out? It run out of colors by this point. <laughs> Beige, specifically. Uh, 1991, and it was the PCD developed by Kodak for the oh. photo CD. Your pictures taken with your current film and camera transferred onto a new kind of compact disc and shown on television. I remember these stupid booths. Remember? Yeah, like, and they would develop your film based on... Did it need a separate a separate formatted disc? I, I guess, like, I guess it took a CDR and then it would format it in PCD. I'm, I'm guessing, yeah, it's just a standard. So I don't know how much different it is than CD-ROM. Well, a lot you know of these, I mean? a lot of these uses, from what I remember, specifically like Redbook, and I'm guessing PCD, right? Like, right. But Redbook definitely it was uncompressed, and that was why they were formatted the way they were. Redbook, how much the capacity was, it was expressed in time. Correct. Not, not in not in storage. Not in like megabytes or whatever, Correct, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing PCD is probably like some kind of version of that where it's expressed in how many photos can it hold and they're all the they have to be all the same size. Oh maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe. Uh, and again, folks, this is not a comprehensive, you know, detailed analysis of the rainbow books. Yeah. Good. You can feel free to throw in your information at AWM Podcast I'm on sure Twitter. I'm sure the PCD aficionados yeah. are going to show up now. If you're a big PCD fan, we yeah. want to know. Uh, there's the white book. See, there was beige and then white. They oh. realized, oh, we forgot it's getting white. lighter. <laughs> can't go any lighter than white. And you normally can't, Michael. Yeah. The VCD, you might know two things about this. Uh, I was a massive fan of the VCD. Tell everyone about the VCD. So the funny thing to me about VCD is What's like, the V stand when for? Did it, first of all, when did it come out? V, the format for VCD. What does it say? 93. Okay, so it comes out in 93, right? Nobody fucking knew anything no. about this, right? But then DVD comes out, right? Only but a few years later. The problem with DVD at the beginning was the same fucking problem with the CD at the beginning, and you couldn't write stuff on it. So I was getting all these videos that I, you know, I downloaded from the internet. What? These movies and Illegally? stuff. Illegally? Okay. 
Listen, you, you want to watch them on your fucking TV, not on your computer like an idiot. Hunched like, over. You, hunched over and like you make some popcorn. Or, I'm watching a movie in my computer chair. Like, like this is uh, very quick. It got old. I was like, this is stupid. So I'm like, how do I get the movies right. onto my TV? Right. Exactly. And I had a DVD player. I remember how I discovered this is that I remember it said like it didn't say my DVD player didn't say VCD, but it said it could read CD. And I was like, weird. What like what would you even use that for like on this thing? Right. Who's going to fucking put a music CD in this dinky DVD player? Right. <laughs> like I just we already have a high five. Why do we need this? Right. <laughs> so I, I remember looking up on the Internet, the oh, early wow. Internet yeah, on AOL. I don't know why I came to the conclusion. Can you put video on a CD? And then I stumbled on VCD. An alcohol 120% or whatever that was. Yes, that's and, and, exactly and, what it was. And it would write VCDs. And so what it was, it would highly compress the video so that it could fit into 712 megabytes or whatever the CDs were. And essentially, you could watch these like a DVD. They, you could even put menus on them and stuff. Could you? I never did that. I, I did because I, I was just curious about because it, it was like in the like when you're writing it, it said, "Do you want to use chapters or menus?" In and you alcohol, could, you, you put mean? like a JPEG or something, and then just like yeah, you could totally do that. Some shitty quality JPEG yeah. as your menu screen or something. I, yeah, like you, you could did do it. You could do you did anything. It, didn't you? you could do anything. Like you could literally do anything. You had to type the what does this do? Does it hit play? Whatever. Right. Like it would do all this. <laughs> But, like, I used to put wrestling stuff on it. I used to just put movies that I would download off the internet on it. And that's how I would watch them on my DVD player. The quality was shit. Yes. But, I, again, I personally believe this. And some people will argue that, oh, no, people knew and you were just a kid. But I really feel like people didn't know much about video resolutions or quality prior to, like, HD. HD TV. Yeah. Probably. So, I had no clue that the quality was any worse than DVD. Well, I was just like, it's a video that plays on a disc in my DVD player. Like, you know what I mean? like 480, but compressed and shitty? Yeah, but I mean, DVD was 482. That's, so like, no, you, I know. you couldn't visually, t- it was compressed if you probably looked real close. Yeah. It was basically like the megabytes were the limitation, really. Gotcha. You know? That's an interesting one because I yeah. think I owned some things that I purchased that were VCDs and I played them in my DVD player. I never purchased a VCD in my life. I, I heard they were big in like China or something well, I didn't, or I like mean, Japan. I didn't purchase like a, a retail VCD. I'm saying I purchased on maybe eBay or something yeah. yeah, of wrestling events, or, uh, maybe. One of the vendors in New York City. No, I didn't get one of those guys. Guy in the street. I got a hoodie once, The though. trench coat and he has a bunch of VCDs in it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what do you want, Sonny? You want Jurassic Park? I got Forrest Gump before got, it's out on the on the DVD. I got Fifth uh, Element. Yeah. Anyway, there's two more in the uh, rainbow here, and I won't pretend to know anything, so I'm just going to shout them out. There's the Scarlet Book. Excuse me. This is <laughs> what? What is the? Tell us what the layman term for the Scarlet Book is. The SACD, which is the Super Audio CD from 1999. Oh, is this for high quality audio? I guess so, but I mean, how even much- higher than Red Book? Because Red Book's like wave practically. It's like really. Isn't it the standard, the 44-1 yeah. standard? I'm guessing that this could do better. I guess so. Some better compression method, perhaps. But I don't know anything about it. And then maybe you know something about this, Quinn. I don't really. The purple from 2000, the DDCD, the double density CD. I'm assuming by double density, because this happened to DVDs too, yes. it could probably hold 1.4 gigabytes, 700 times two. That's Most probably likely. what it is, right? It's double layered. It just means you put one CD on the other and what the top layer is like transparent so the laser can select which which one which yeah. layer it wants to hit. I remember the old double layer DVD right. deal. Yeah, I'm more familiar with that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, now that we've gone somewhere over the rainbow, let's roll it back to 1980 again with the Red Book Standard and the CD being developed, right? The first commercial CD player, October 1st, 1982, by Sony. It was called the CDP-101. Take the new compact disc. One hour of Mozart out of a beer mat. Pure sound played by laser. How expensive was that fucking thing? Like $1,500? I don't have the exact price. It's lasers, or the Joe. Yeah. <laughs> but this is 40 years ago. Yeah. This was not cheap when it came out. These were hundreds upon hundreds and maybe over $1,000. So this was, you know, my memory of CD was that it was the players were so expensive growing yeah, up. Like, growing up, they and were. And that's why your parents were always resistant to buying them. Because A, they had all their music already on cassette tape. Or record. And B, the player itself was a, a fortune. Yeah. Right? It was like, what the fuck? It's very similar to when DVDs first came yeah. out, to put it in perspective for some people. Remember you the know? DVD players were like $500 or something silly. Yeah, they were absurd when yeah. they first came out. So it was more of a luxury item. Mm-hmm. It was more of a Connecticut item, as mm-hmm. I keep saying here, as a joke. Please don't get offended, anybody. All the Connecticut listeners are like, that Joe. Jonathan Facento, yeah. he's hearing it. The first album, for anyone curious, that was first commercially released on compact disc was The Visitors by ABBA. Interesting. Yeah. I'll say this about picking ABBA for your first one. Yeah. They like are the one of the best-selling bands of all time. Worldwide. Yeah, it's like, might as well go with something with broad appeal, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. And they did. Yeah. I think it was after that was Billy Joel, so another right. like, broad yeah. appeal. You yeah. know what I mean? Now, the Sony Walkman was very popular for cassette, so it would only make sense, Quinn, that Sony would make one for CD. Maybe call it a disc man, Maybe. Perhaps. Sony introduces the portable compact disc player. And they did do that in 1984. And this Wow, I, that early. That early. Holy shit. And that I didn't know. That's that it was that early. Because they were very much not a thing until the mid-90s. Well, I mean, a lot of people didn't have CD players mm-hmm. that I knew until the turn of the 90s. Like, 93? I, I felt like I... Like I said, my family is a little slow to it, but like ninety five, yeah, ninety six is when they really were like everywhere by that point. Yeah, I mean they just more and more ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, and and like I just you know what I thought it was personally my what I saw the turn with was when you could get portable CD players yeah. when they could go in cars and those CD discman things mm-hmm. like yeah, but it's, it's weird to think that Sony produced one. Yeah, that early. Too. In 84. Who the 84. fuck had that? I don't know. I mean, again, we want to hear it? from that you. Might have been, that might cost more than a, 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 than a regular one, right? <laughs> one. Yeah, like seriously. Yeah, made by Acer or one of those yeah, equivalents. Yeah. yeah. So CD started slowly, but started to catch on as yeah. the 80s started to continue, right? And by 1988, mark that year, folks, 88 was the first time that CD sales overtook vinyl records right. in the United States. So 88 is kind of the turn here. And that makes sense. I mean, by that point, vinyl had to contend with both cassette and CD eating into its sales, right? Exactly. And I, like I said, this is a had-to-be-there thing. Like, kids listening now, they might not know this, but, like, cassette was really popular in the late 80s and early 90s. It was, like, yes. very popular. Everyone had cassettes. Like, Everyone. You could get them in a Fisher Price thing. Like they were just everywhere. I had one. I had one of those things too. <laughs> My son has one now. Yeah. With I mean, a fake cassette in but it. But they were like the 
way to listen to music because they could go everywhere. They were the way to listen to music. You can listen in your car because by then, by the 80s, 8-track is not in cars anymore. Right. Cassette tapes are. I mean, right. cassette players and are. And I actually, as a kid, I thought that the CD thing would never take because of the portability of cassette and it didn't skip or do anything weird. Well, that's one of the great points, Quinn, is that yeah. the early CD players, I remember this being a huge deal when they finally developed the anti-skip technology. AKA they just put RAM in it and they it had a buffer. It. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's all it is. Yeah. But it did work. It did help. Yeah, it, it definitely did. helped. But remember, if you didn't have it on or if you had a CD player, a portable one without it, if you accidentally jostled, yeah. it's, you know, Do you remember when the dancing, quit, in, yeah. You know? Do you remember when the um skip protection got like excessive to like on these on these the tables be like twenty minutes of skip? <laughs> yeah. It's like the CD isn't even twenty minutes long. I'm like what the fuck? Like, it's like it's just like insane. Twenty minutes. Yeah. Basically, you have to start at a half hour before you want to listen. Yeah. It's It'll like buffer it. It's like the C the the the, the skip protector is like living in the fucking future. Like it, ha- <laughs> it already has the CD before you even listen to it. Like that's great. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that was fun getting my first portable. CD yeah. player. Did you have one? Uh, I did. Yeah. I don't remember what brand it was. Oh, mine it was. was like, it was some something. Some I, cheap. It was like some gray thing. And it, I remember it had a little LCD screen on it, which I thought was just so fucking rad. Oh, that yeah. That said the, the, the track number on it. I had that. That's all it said. It was a yeah. track in the time. I think mine was from a vending machine. It freaking yeah. looked like it, man. I don't know. My it's parents. Like $6. See, you know what was funny about me getting that thing? I, I begged my parents. I was like, I, would, I just want a uh, disc man, right? Yeah. Disc man, disc man. I remember getting this thing. And not knowing what fucking like, because I'm like, why is it not Sony? Because Discman, right? Yeah, right. Like, well, or why doesn't it say Discman on it? Was right? it written in crayon? It looked classy, but like it was just some brand I'd never heard of. Like, right? right? Like it, it didn't look stupid or anything. Dotson. <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like one of those weird sports ones that like uh, that it's like this mine. is really skip protected. Like you could drop it off a roof and it'll still play. <laughs> right. Like, if you're listening to music and, and falling off a roof, I yeah. think you have bigger problems than your track skipping. They used to, like, I swear the ads would be like, they'd be on, like, a fucking water ski with this thing on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, yeah, you just drag it in water. Or we, you know, your your headphones are just, they're in the water. <laughs> this is a great water ski, but I got to listen to Poison while yeah. I do this or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it'd always be something like some excessively bumpy sport. Like uh, motocross or uh, yeah, something? Yeah, like, be like, what? Nobody's doing this. What the fuck? You mean you're not listening to death? Def Leopard while you're yeah. hopping over dirt or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> Skydiving <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, they do it in the Monsters of Rock yeah. thing, quick. Yeah, they do. They, they do. Just for but the anyway, record. yeah, yes. I mean, the, the, that was really, once they got portable, and what I was trying to say before is yeah. like, once they got portable, it was made it a big deal, but I had that thing before my parents even had a CD player in the house. It was like the only CD player in the house was my thing. Oh, it was your little baby guy. And I remember hooking it up to the, the hi-fi through the, you know, yeah, the, the hi-fi. headphone output thing. You know, like, yes, I know. <laughs> you know, my dad has the, you know, the fancy one he probably got in the early 80s that has all the knobs and the, the stuff of on course, it. Of course, yeah, yeah, the treble, very important yeah, yeah, bass like, control. Like, don't mess with the equalizer. Don't you know. the hi-fi Michaels. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, <laughs> I remember hooking it up to this thing and being like, man, I wish we just had one of these in the house. That's why I didn't have to just take away my music to listen to. Yeah, you know? well, the sacrifices yeah. we make. Uh-huh. So as 1992 hit, guess what? CD sales on the rise have now overtaken those of not only vinyl, but the compact cassette. Right. So if you want the delineating mark. 92. 92. Because it didn't feel that way at the time. It didn't for me either, but I think it was in 92 when I got my first, well, it wasn't my CD player. Got like a stereo system that had a top loading CD. 
And I got my first CD. It was uh, Paul McCartney's Trip of the Live Fantastic Highlights from 1990. It's better than my first. What was yours? Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. No, yours is better. Yeah, but you got Paul McCartney. I did. Yeah, yeah but I don't like that live album. Yeah. I got McCartney too that same year. I, in I, I love Coolio, but he was a one-hit wonder. It's kind of like getting a CD that you get tired of after a while. He also had a one, two, three, four was on that album. That's no, that bad. album's great album. It has a lot of fun songs on it, but. At the same time, and then like nobody ever heard of Coolio however again after that. Well, Coolio was what he was, Quinn. Yeah. But Gangster's Paradise is a good album. It is a good album. I will go with you on that. But anyway, as we enter the 90s now, CD has taken over as the dominant, most promoted form of music. Living by- in a CD world. Living in a compact disc world, which maybe we'll talk about that store. On the other side of this break, we want to hear from you guys. Tweet at us at AWM Podcast on Twitter. We're going to talk more about the CD as it continues to rise and then fall and then... Maybe it's starting to rise again. All that and more coming up on Acid Wash Memories. Are you ready to feel the noise? you ready to rock? Then crank it up to 11. It's Monsters of Rock! Monsters of Rock. 35 huge hits on two CDs and two cassettes. Featuring Warren. Twisted Sister. Swinger. White Snake, Cinderella, Fresh Delivery Available, Get Monsters of Rock, Not Sold in Stores. Here's a snap, the handoff finds a hole, oh Cameron at the 50, spin! The Sony Sports Discman, tough enough to keep playing, hit after hit. It also withstands a splash. Dash over to Goodman TV for a tryout. You're going to get it on CD, right? Yeah, CD. And now we return to more acid-washed memories. And welcome back to Acid Wash Memories. Thank you guys for being with us here for episode number five. I'm Joe Morata. That's Michael Quinn, and we're talking about CD. Yeah, CD. And uh, we sure appreciate you guys being with us here. We hope you've checked out some of our past episodes. There's only four other ones to check out so far. But every week, we're going to be presenting you with a new slice of retro pop culture. And again, this kind of will wrap up this trilogy. trilogy of (laughs) dead media. Yeah, of dead media that we didn't intend to do. Unintentional trilogy. unintentional trilogy. Is this the one where, like, Luke defeats Vader? Then the Emperor's a big dick, and then they throw him off a thing. Like how every villain falls off something at the end. Emperor have clothes? He did. That's a it was like just thing, a right? robe. <laughs> Remember? What, what was that? He goes, eh. <laughs> Die. Anyway, we're talking about CD players and CDs and all the wonderful things in the disc world. And we mentioned that before we went to break. Compact disc world. I don't know how big this chain was. Yeah. But well, we, I mean, there was all the, the, the music. So region. many different. This was like part of the, the, part the, of the CD ex- scene, if the you will. The zeitgeist yeah, of yeah. CD. Uh, so it's taken over the world in the 90s. And we had Compact Disc World. I mean, Tower Records were huge. Mm-hmm. There was Sam Goody. Sam Goody was the one I always went to. Grab your holiday cash. Go to Sam Goody. Buy some cool CDs. 
There was FYE, but before that, we had this Camelot music. I don't know yes. about anyone else. Yeah. Coconuts? Coconuts, yeah. I mean, th- these were all things. For me, Sam Goody was the one. I love Sam Goody, yeah. And I have, like, memories of just, in general, Sam Goody about how just, it felt like they had all the music of the fucking world in there. Like, there was just so many damn CDs everywhere. It did. And this is another thing, I think we talked with DVD, but the, the concept of it's small, so there's just so much shelf room. Yeah. There's just tons of it. Yeah. Do you remember this? Do you remember the really, like, new releases would have, like, these weird security things on it, but some of them... You know, the CD's like a square or whatever, yes. right? But some of them would have these like weird like handle things yeah, or I something remember like that. And them. you're like, what the fuck is this? You had like, to answer a riddle to get that thing yeah, off. It was like, weird. Like, sir, may I buy this? <laughs> like, what the fuck? What's the password? Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's the might as well chain it to the bicycle stand <laughs> thing, right? Because it's like that kind of thing. There's a man in a leather coat yeah. that might let you unlock this. Put a padlock on it. <laughs> it's like just to listen to a new Mar- Mariah Carey album or something. It's, it's new, so you gotta gotta protect it. <laughs> You couldn't go wrong in the 90s with Mariah. Yeah. Uh, But let's talk about the whole CD buying experience. See, unlike last week when I, you know, I said I don't really miss video stores. Yeah. I kind of miss the physical the record store, even though it didn't have records. Yeah. Like people at our time, it it didn't. But your parents still called it that. Yeah. Like on mine did. Yeah. No, no, they did. But I miss that. Yeah. I partially miss it because in a lot of places, you couldn't, you didn't really know what you were going to be buying you didn't know what it was gonna sound like that to me is like the magic of how the early days of it was because like there were albums that you know me and my dad would go and we kind of make a decision together what album we were gonna buy yep and like you didn't know remember not knowing like you don't know any of these tracks like you're like never heard you may have heard one of them on the radio and and been like i like that song so that's why i'm buying this but then of course like my dad's always the guy that's like Oh, we're getting one, but like we have to get his music buying habits was like, oh, we're going to buy like two more or something. Right. right? It was like, so then we're like going in the weird stuff and I'm like, what is this? Like, like what? Yeah. And he's just reading the titles on the back. I'm like, how do you know? Like what any of this (laughs) is? How do you know if this is good? (laughs) You can't hear it. It was the great American gamble. Yeah. Was just buying some. Like that's how I wound up with a blues traveler CD. Cause I like the one song. I'm like, I don't like the rest of that. I do now, but I didn't at the time when I was 10. It's it's weird to think there was a time especially with how we consume music now where you literally like would buy an album for one song and you had no clue what the fuck the rest of it was. You didn't. Unless- and some people were like real adventurous and they're like, I just like this band. I have never heard one of these songs because they're really like, we've never, they're not on the radio. That's true. Like- <laughs> and I think I got a lot of secondhand CDs from other people because they were like, I don't like this. Do you yeah. want it? You know? Yeah. There, was even, there was even like occasions where an album by a established artist was just hyped not based off the songs, but based off their singing in it. That's yes, it. Of like it's like you don't know if the songs are good. They could all suck. That but, still happens. But hey, Stevie Nicks is is on this. <laughs> like it, Nicks. you know, it's her new single or, or album. Album, not single. Album, yeah. not single. You listen to it, all of it sucks. <laughs> yeah. Or Sting in the nineties. <laughs> Your parents are like Sting is so good. You every time you listen, I this is horrible. For those of you that are not joining us from our previous show, yeah. uh, our, our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast, Quinn has a huge grudge against Sting's solo career. Like I said, my parents would always just be like, he's, he's the best. My he's, mom did too. He's the best musician in the industry. <laughs> and you'd be like, I don't get it. Every time I listen, I'm like bored out of my fucking mind. Uh-huh. 
It's always like some hymns or something. It's, it's like he experiments with different sounds, like church music. Can like he experiment what the f- with being good? Like, and not church no, music no. from now. I'm talking church music from like 1200. The Gregorian like, days. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? Well, those of you that like Sting, please direct all your hate tweets to Michael Quinn yeah. at AWM Podcast. It's like the medieval times when you listen to Sting sometimes. But <laughs> Do you like the police at least? Yeah, the police are good. Okay. See, I think it's all just like he was the one they all liked in the police, and they were they weren't going to let that shit die when they got to like the mid nineties. Yeah, well, that's They're what like, it was. It, it's true. He is a good musician. But though, he's but. like a very like CD artist, right? Is like yeah. he's somebody that's I think of one. when I think of CD. I think of yeah. Right? That's that's a good point. Yeah. But anyway, Alanis Morissette is a CD artist. Yeah, she's good. She was. Yeah, good. I just mean CD. Like Hootie the, and the Blowfish. Yeah, yeah, it's that era. Green Day. Yeah, where it was the prevailing format. The Offspring, Nirvana, mm-hmm. people like that. But let us know your CD buying stories, and maybe you had a listening station. I know the one of I some th- of them would have it. I think Compact Disc World had that big ass computer. That yeah. machine that you could look up. Stuff. I would always see those, and I didn't understand because they'd be like listening station. Yeah, but then I'd be like, but. I want to listen to this song that I don't know what it sounds like on the back of this CD, but they don't let you put it in there. Yeah, no, I know. It like, was... It's just kind of like, th- these are the songs we want you to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these like, are the songs. We're trying to sell these yeah. here. But I love Compact Discord. I had a membership to the club there. I got discounted CDs. It was a great time. Anyway, Quinn, uh, another thing that happened in the 90s with the CD explosion, I guess this ties into the Rainbow Books to an extent, was it seemed like even in the video game world, you know, we talked about computers, but in the, the computer vi- world, in anything that was a computer. Right. Like games yes. were on CD, OSs were on CD, all Every, of this. Yeah. But in the video game world, Sega CD, which could be a whole other episode one yeah. time, but Sega CD, a, a yeah. disc based video game console. Yeah. So this is the Sega CD. It's a load of ass. Sega Saturn. And then most famously of that time, PlayStation. Sony's PlayStation. Yeah. So this goes, this ties in with the big push with CD that was the, the I, I, I like to think of it as the other side of CD <laughs> was the multimedia yes. I said it earlier multimedia right it was this concept that you'd always hear in like your science teacher talking or some <laughs> somebody like that like right, yeah. your art teacher I don't computer know teacher yeah like perhaps. and they'd be like CDs can contain multimedia users who want to work with multimedia resources but the CD-ROM drive may soon become as ubiquitous as the old Apple II and as a kid I was like what the fuck is multimedia right more than one media but as an adult i understand that yes it, it could be like information it could be music it could be movies it could be pictures like that is what multimedia means that's correct Quinn. and so computers were the primary like mover for this multimedia push where in the early days of my experience with cd in like the early 90s 92 93 was that i could go and get doom on CD. Well, it was a big deal. I think they were on disc. Like, it was on floppy floppies also. also yeah. But like, you would go to a, open a computer magazine up and they'd have a CD full of not only software, but also an assortment of games, like demos yep. or whatever. Demos, yeah. Um, so this, that was like my first exposure. This was before the, the CD the video, video game games, systems. Yeah. There was Sega CD, but that was like kind of a joke in the video game no magazines. One had that. My like, brother had it. It's like, it's oh, Night it. Trap. What a joke, right? It was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that CD, I guess it's never going to fucking work for yeah. video games, right? Yeah, that but, wasn't widespread. Right, exactly. Like, people had it. It's a pioneer, though. Like, you look back at some of the software that's on Sega CD, and you're like, 
Yeah, it's like interesting that they like even tried this shit. They right? did, and then Saturn they tried again with Saturn, yeah. which was more successful. But um, the the Sony PlayStation was the one was where I remember, like this was like the real mentality for me at least at the time. This is like an honest reaction was that I could not believe that I was playing. I the first game I remember playing on it was Twisted Metal Two. Wow, that might have been mine also. Yeah. Seriously. I, and it was at a friend's house. I didn't even have that. Yeah, that's what I mean. He, it might have been the first I, in thing fact, I, I didn't know what the fuck a PlayStation was. He had one like before I'd even seen it in the magazines. Maybe I heard like a blurb about it in a yeah. magazine, but I was like, it's, I, I was thinking it's just going to be like Sega CD no, and CDI and all those ones, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, come, he invites me over his house. He lived like right next door. He lived in an apartment complex. Yeah. I come upstairs and there's this gray thing sitting there and he's like this is playstation I'm like what he's like it's a video game and i'm like okay the games come on cd and I, <laughs> and then he puts this game in and i'm thinking oh it's on cd so the game's gonna be like you know low quality yeah you know maybe a, and I, most of the games we played at that time was 2d so super boot, nintendo so probably, he boots right? this thing up and he puts playstation we're playing a 3d car combat game and i'm like how do they fit all of that vi- <laughs> like because the cartridges were so I thought size in my brain equated to how much it could hold. Size isn't always important, So these, important, these flat discs, and he just sticks a disc in, it starts, you know, he closes the lid. Starts spinning? Starts spinning wow. up. And, <laughs> nee, 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 nee. <laughs> that sound, that PlayStation sound, that's another, classic, like... Man. But that's also ubiquitous with, like, CD. Oh, see, now you're using the word. That's, like, in my head... That's something I think of with CD is like the boot up s- screens. And well, stuff yeah, like it was that. ingrained in our memories for so long. Right. I mean, when you hear that, there's almost like kind of I get like goosebumps because it just rem- it brings me back to 1995 and seeing this mysterious logo that I'd never seen before. And it and then and then it says loading. Well, because it's loading the game. It's loading the game. And you remember the CD player on the PlayStation? It had this weird like the interface. Weird this this paint splotch yeah, yeah. kind of thing going on. I do, I do. And, and I, the thing that CD brought to the game for video games, not only the 3D graphics that it could contain yeah, the all graphics. of that, but was CD audio. audio. Oh my God. I, I couldn't believe that we went from like literally the system before was like, you know, like it was just like fart noises on like well, Super, Super Nintendo. Nintendo had good, good it, audio. it was good audio, it but did. it wasn't, real audio no and even if you compared some games that were on both n64 and playstation the audio on playstation blew it yeah, out of the water right because it just the more capacity right yeah, cd quality Then with the CD, the, the PlayStation came with like twenty games on a demo, yeah. and you're like, "What?" I the? love those demos. Oh, and by they the could way. The flip around, and there's a code for other games. Yep, yep. And like, I remember my friend had a Tony Hawk Pro Skater demo disc. We come into the game, and first of all, it's like impressive because it's like skateboarding or whatever, and the graphics and everything. But then all of a sudden, Jared was a race car driver, <laughs> like that song. Yeah, yeah. And like, I was like, "This song's catchy. This slaps." Like, and I, I remember just wanting to play the demo a million times because I just wanted to keep hearing the song because it was like an earworm. That sounds like, like you. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say though that CD? Uh, 
uh, well, the success of PlayStation using CDs, that started the paradigm shift for video games to be on optical disc yes, versus That started the cartridge. paradigm shift to me for everything to be on fucking CD. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just PlayStation, it was CD. Because that's, all of a sudden, you're like, when's video? Gonna right. be on? That was the big, that was the holy fucking grail with, with yeah. disc-based media. Because we didn't like, have DVD yet. You could kind of do it with VCD, but that wasn't really popular. No. But DVD was like, not only CDs hitting the holy grail moment, but it also was sort of the demise of CD around the same, all the same time. You know, it is funny. There's a few things that happened in the late 90s and early 2000s that actually were good for the CD. Yes. And then were bad. And one of them was the release of the first portable MP3 player in 1997. Yes. Now, an MP3, as we all know by this point, is a music file. for It's a compressed the The revolution file. behind it was that digital music was only in wave format and it was large, and that's why you needed the CD because the Red Book format neatly put it into, I forget how many minutes, and it said- 74. You could, you could fit this many minutes of wave quality audio, yep. right? And then the MP3 comes along, but the MP3, what was interesting about it is it didn't sound like shit. It, it didn't, didn't sound compressed. It was lossy compression, but it still sounded good. A lot of people couldn't tell the difference. Yep. If you did it at 128. Wave and a, that. If you did it at 128 kilobits per second, it sounded like CD audio. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So the MP3 player is one factor. Park that one because in 1999, a very popular piece of software, piece of software yeah. known as Napster hits the market. Now, I didn't get it into it until 2000. I think most people caught on to it in 2000. It was only a couple months in, though. Yeah. Because it was wildfire, this thing. Yes. Right? Was that, okay, I remember hearing rumblings, because I remember a kid came to school with a CD, but it was a weird-looking CD. It had his own writing on it, and he said, I put the songs on it. I was like, how the hell did you do that? Like, <laughs> It's you know copyrighted and the, all the, there's all these protections and you can't who you can't write on a CD yeah you like, know right what, yeah. what do you have a machine or something it's like no I have Napster and I just put it in my CD writer that's what he said CD that, a lot of people C- call them CD that. writer and yeah, not burner writer and my first thinking was like. Does this make noise whenever, like, because I, I was like, do they have <laughs> to, like, literally, because they, oh, burner, sorry, they call it a CD burner. Yeah, well, that's the other term right. for it. I thought, what is this process? How long does it take? Like, I was, like, fascinated by Back this. Then, long. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I didn't even put together how he got the music at first. I didn't fully understand that. Oh, okay. But then, like, as the months went on, and you come, more kids have these CDRs. Where is this coming? CDR. Yep. Where are they getting all this music? Yep, and, yep. like. Then, you know, slowly but surely, Napster. Oh, I got on Napster. Napster. What the fuck is Napster? I remember it in high school, ninth grade, I think, or maybe the end of eighth grade. Your friends go, you're not going to believe it. You can get all the music you want for free. Anything you want. Anything. you Just type it in. Now, what, like what, Elton John, he's there. Really look for Elton John I, mean, I, I just, I just, I'm just Quinn. thinking of names. Like just, Saturday Night All Right for Fighting, is that yeah, what we're trying yeah. to say? Billy Joel, whatever. <laughs> is just that who we're listening to in eighth grade? No, but... I didn't think so. Green Day. Anybody like like that. <laughs> but like the point was, is like this was insane. It was insane. The, like this was crazy. It made it so you can download MP3s from other people, and then other people can download your MP3s. Napster was an easy way of connecting the two. Now, this isn't the story of Napster. That, again, could be another episode. We know Metallica and the record companies, how they get involved. But from a CD point of view, this was both a blessing and a curse. So they're not selling CDs, like (laughs) pre-made CDs anymore. But boy, oh boy, now all of a sudden I need thousands of CDRs. Like, I need them badly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The blank CDR market must have exploded because of Napster. People were buying 
tubs of like these things. Like, like <laughs> the, the big, thick stack of them. <laughs> You'd be like, I need a hundred. Right? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it's big, but this, like, the, whoever was manufacturing this was making a fucking fortune. Because right, I mean, you, they cost see, nothing. I feel like you, you'd see people coming out of Best Buy with just like tons of these things just like, crates of them crates of the, it's like i gotta fucking burn all this shit man because like that was the thing okay so what happens when at the click of a button you can download a song suddenly people are downloading hundreds of thousands of songs yep. and they're like i have no way to listen to this outside of my fucking computer exactly and then well i gotta go to the best buy and buy hundreds of <laughs> cdr discs and you could you, you could, could literally buy like a hundred pack of them i know you could i had i did yeah now incidentally in the year 2000 in the year, year 2000, 2000 that was the peak of of CD sales in the United States. Yeah, I bet you betcha. <laughs> 943 million units sold I mean, commercially. people just had discs all over their fucking house. <laughs> they like, did. <laughs> and because they, were re- because they could write them themselves, I remember people also didn't take care of them because they didn't come with boxes, so they're right. just going to be all oh, scratched God, just, up and fucked up. I still have them somewhere. Yeah. I really do. I have <laughs> tons just, of CDs. You just throw them on the fucking floor. <laughs> eh, it's not a big deal. I just burn another one. Like, let's, all music is free now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all music is free. It was just anarchy. It, it, it felt like that, like, Nobody was ever going to pay for music right. ever again in their like, life. It was like, we don't need, who pays for music? It really did. Within like a year's time. <laughs> it was so fast. It felt like a prison break, man. Yeah. It was like, I don't have to pay for shit anymore. I can just listen to whatever I want. The amazing part is, at first, your parents are a little skeptical, but then when they realize that nobody cares, everyone, it was like universal. Everyone's like, that's not a crime. Like, <laughs> like, stealing music isn't a crime. Like, Thanks, Lars Ulrich. Yeah, like literally like everyone was in bliss until that lawsuit. Like everyone oh, yeah. was like, this, it was like utopia. People were like, no, this is the internet. We're finally seeing the full potential. There will be no more money. All of our 1960s <laughs> dreams are going to come true. This is the first step. We can get our music for free, right? Soon, so, it'll, soon it'll be our, our our television and our videos and blah, blah, blah. Everything will be free. We won't need to work. There really was blinders on at the, in this, these early stages of Napster because it to the, to the layman, it was just some shit you downloaded on your computer for free. They didn't say it was illegal. It, a lot of people weren't like fucking copyright lawyers back in 1999. They're just like... Oh, I guess that, like, they probably thought, like, Napster is a company that just has all this music that they're just graciously giving to you for free. <laughs> Did anyone think that? Well, I mean, think about I the- I me- didn't. Think about the thinking, right? This is why, I, like, a mental thing, why I think this worked out. Yeah. People were very used to, like, those AOL discs that came in <laughs> with a thousand fucking hours. As we mentioned a couple weeks back, I, yes. I really wonder if people just thought, this can't be wrong. It's the internet. It's educational. And, like, they, you know, everything on the internet's fine. This can't be wrong. It's the internet. Yeah. Of course. What, what is internet anyway? But listen, so Napster, we know what happens there. In 2001, it has to shut itself down. But in 2001, something related on the periphery happened. It was the release of the first ever iPod along with iTunes. A thousand songs in your pocket. What the cool thing about the iPod was the first one. So the CDs, right, you definitely had a limitation on how many songs you could stick on it, right? Yeah, of course. Here comes Steve Jobs, who we know from Apple days and, you know, some people's twisted history. He, like, invented the computer and, like, he knows what the fuck he's talking about, right? With Al Gore, I think. Yeah. Invented the internet. (laughs) But he comes out and there's this little tiny thing and it has a kind of little tiny screen on it. A round little thing. and And he says, 
I remember this was the this was the big a thousand songs in your pocket. That was the marketing. That was the pitch. And it was true. It was true. It was a because, huge deal. Because what it did was it was an MP3 player, which everyone had so unsuccessfully tried to sell to you. For the last four years. Instead of telling you about MP3 and ACC, all these yeah, dumb right, for, right. For, Steve Jobs is like a thousand songs in your pocket. That's all. And this thing fucking exploded because the layman understood what the fuck that meant. That's like a hundred like, albums, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge collection. And, and it, like these things existed before, but they marketed it correctly and people understood it. And they had an accompanying application. Yeah, iTunes. And this is why I believe that the iPod would have been fought by the record industry. They would have tried to put, you know, suit Apple for releasing a device that lets you play because it did let you play music from anywhere. But the agreement from my understanding is that Apple said we're going to make a store and the record company signed on to it. Correct. And at first, this seemed silly because Napster had clone apps like Kazan, LimeWire, and stuff, Morpheus. right? But what iTunes did is, it put, first of all, it put a cap on how much a song was. Mm-hmm. That was actually by Apple. And the record companies fought them for that. We should be charging $5 a song. Right. And Apple's like, nobody's going to fucking buy that. It's 99 cents. Apple was right. And they were at, they saved their asses. They saved them from themselves. Yeah, they did. Like, they said, nobody, like, nobody is going to, music's That's free. That's absurd. <laughs> They're not going to pay you $5 a song. It's not happening. It wouldn't have happened. 99 cents. And they made more money than they, like, ever made. Because, again, the software was easy to use, too. So, like, one, one barrier... Right about these Napsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you weren't computer literate, you didn't know where do I get this? What do I right. do? It's like you plug the iPod in the, into your computer. Thing comes up and it says, "Do you want to install iTunes?" And it says, "Do you want to buy music?" And yep. it just it very easily. And it also would import the music to the device. Correct. It made everything like simple, foolproof, foolproof, yep. and legal and legal. And that was the yeah. big thing that they were able to. And I'm sure it was planned way before they knew what Napster was, but with the timing, right in the fallout of Napster, right. here comes iTunes right. with the iPod. Two other major streaming services launched in the mid and late 2000s, Pandora in 2005, right. and most notably, Spotify in 2008. This is, to me, the real death knell for CD. Yes, you know, CD still was hanging around because there there was methods like even in iTunes, something we didn't mention. iTunes had a burn CD function. Yes, they did. Which was actually like very useful. Convenient. Yeah, very convenient because it didn't matter because you could download iTunes, use the store, and maybe you don't own an iPod. Correct. Or maybe you own another MP3 maybe, player or something. Right. Maybe you just still have a CD burner. Mm-hmm. What iTunes said is, well, all that music you bought, you can put it on a CD. Yeah. So CDs were still... Kicking. They were still kicking. Yeah, people were still definitely using them. And it was still the standard. It yeah. was still what record companies were releasing to, you know, right. and marketing. But Spotify took it a, a really cool step because now you were streaming the music and you had the inter- internet connection by the late 2000 aughts in the right. early part of the but last what decade. what Spotify did is it, it, it was a paradigm shift in how people paid for music, too. Yep. So what Spotify said is, okay, you're going to have to pay us a monthly fee for this, right? Which seemed, people were like... What? Grumbly like, about it. Yeah, they yeah. were like, why would I do that? I can just buy the songs I want. But Spotify <laughs> comes back at you and gives you the the proposition offer, right? And says, but every song. And you're like, excuse me, what? And not only that, you don't have to download it. You just click it and it plays. Yeah. And that actually, there's a there's a documentary or a 
one of those fictionalized whatever's about you know the formation of Spotify biopic biopic um that was the engineering side the hardest part to accomplish with Spotify believe it or not the streaming part the guy who des- helped design it or like it was his vision yeah he hired all his engineers and stuff and he said it has to it has to start playing in like some point something milliseconds or something they had like an actual number they had to hit Wow. And he would go over to their stations and listen to how fast they got it. And he knew by ear how fast it had to be. Holy shit. They, they, it frustrated the shit out of them. There was like times when they come over and it was like super fast, but he he just knew not fast enough. Wow. And that's why Spotify was such a huge hit. Once they started pitching it around the industry to, you know, to get a company to, yeah. to get the record companies to sign on, that's what sold it to the record companies. They couldn't believe that the second you clicked on this, that it played, and they, hmm. they and the the guys saying is like pick any song you want in the world. They had a record executive pick any song. He's like click on it, and it just played right away. And they they said this is um, it's like a jukebox. This is fucking incredible. It is truthfully yeah um, something I take for granted now. But you're right. That was the factor. I've been a proud Spotify premium user for I think over ten years, and yeah. I got to tell you, yeah, I, it, it eliminated my need to physically buy media. Yeah. But I want to phrase that properly. It eliminated the need. And that's what a lot of these things that we've been doing these last three episodes now, yeah. the need gets fulfilled by something else. Right. In this case, it's a combination of iTunes and the iPod and then the iPhone. Yeah. Pandora streaming radio, right? Yeah. And what they do. Once Spotify came out, it was only a matter of time till they converted iTunes to the same thing. Correct. And they converted any other music store to the same thing, which is exactly what happened. Are those ubiquitous now? Yeah. They're ubiquitous mm-hmm. now. I think it, it's like a 50-50 market split between like Apple Music and Spotify these days. It wouldn't like, surprise me yeah, if that was the case. It uh, might be like 60-40, but it's like it's very it's surprising how Apple equal. just was able to take their iTunes audience right into it. Yeah, right. You know? uh, so CDs continued to fall, and by 2010, they were down 50% from their level in 2000. And then by 2018, it's five years ago, 52 million in sales. So their height... <laughs> of 900 and something million in the CDs year 2000. Year. Yeah. And now we're down to 52 million in 2018. However, there might be a brighter future here because as younger people, younger than us, I'm saying, mm-hmm. have started to realize, people that grew up in the streaming age have started to realize that, you know what? It actually is kind of cool to own the CD. It, it, it is. So one thing we didn't talk about this whole time, I think here's some of the advantages of CD is... Is that CD still had it, it still had some carryovers from the record, whereas like you got the literature with it and you got yes. the, the art and all this stuff yes. and the ki- nice little case and the, sometimes the disc would have art on the actual disc. Yeah, like, like I remember screen, Green Day screen print do- Dookie and it was like a gold, but it had the yeah. it had the album art sketched in gold yeah. on the CD, which I thought looked it was a cool, cool one. Yeah. yeah. But like there was tons of them like that. There was some of them would have like the signature of the artist, yep. or or some of them would have the track listing on the CD itself. Oh yeah, I love that. Yeah, actually. like the, easy. It was just it, it, people people did unique stuff with this. The lyric sheet in yeah. the booklet. Another aspect of CD is sometimes they sell premium edition collections. Like like I remember there was like I want to say the Who or the Beatles or one of them had like one of these where it was like this gigantic book and the CDs were laid out very beautifully and like with stuff um. about the you know the songs that were on it could have been either man i know the beatles had a bunch of boxes like that yeah like sets like that and this was just a very premium aspect of cd is that they and i think this is just the advantage of like i think the 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 format 
the literal shape of the disc being that miniature record. The 4.7 inches diameter, yep. I think that that evokes, it's like records. Yes, which also that, made a comeback, obviously. Ca- and cassettes never could really capture that. They seemed no. lesser. And they're crappier anyway. Yeah, they, but they are. They seemed lesser even to the consumer as far as what you got in the record. Like, it was just like a sleeve, and it just didn't have really much. Cassettes and, are like, yeah, they're like a microwave dinner. Yeah. They'll like, get the job done. Yeah. You know what I mean? But exactly. they're not fulfilling the way but, a record but the, or CD is. But the CDs could do what the records were doing before. Where I mean, if you look at some old records, there's some really cool shit. In, oh, like in, inner gate folds. Yeah, and yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are. And yeah. I can see some people maybe they they appreciate that. And the vinyl obviously vinyl made a comeback, uh, but so have CDs these last two years in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. They're up. They're up for the first time since two thousand four. And that's a th- strange it, that they're making a comeback. I mean, the, they're very unnecessary. <laughs> they are. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you that yeah. it's you don't need it. But I think it has something to do with a new generation that grew up without them. Yeah. Now embracing that, like, whoa, mm-hmm. you can physically own the music. You yeah. Know, you can ha- you can have the music. I mean, if you're really attached to the artist, I mean, like, I remember back in the day, I have attachments to certain artists or like Mariah. <laughs> yeah. Like Madonna. Yeah. But I like the album art itself. Well, yeah, you sure. Know? Some miscellaneous things. Uh, we mentioned CD binders, CD towers. Like I said, if you guys still have those. The fact that there was furniture devoted to this. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the most incredible things, Quint, is we used to need pieces of furniture yeah. that we had to put in our house right. to store our thing. And now you don't need that anymore. There like- used to be, <laughs> when I was growing up, there was literally like a part of our entertainment center <laughs> yes. completely devoted to just playing music. Yes, same like, here. Like a large, a very large receiver with another thing on top of it for cassettes and another thing on top of it for <laughs> records. Yeah. And then later on, another thing for CDs, you, you know, because your parents are like, I don't want to lose any of this shit I collected right. over the years. <laughs> Imagine living through all the formats. Like re- from yeah. record, cassette, CD, digital, digital. Like it's our parents' and, generation. And, and like yeah. you've bought so much music over the years in so many different formats. Right, like, and you're like, and you have to have all this like legacy gear. That's a good point. Not yeah. to mention you have to have the. Our parents would always have the radio. My parents, at least, would always make sure one of the the receiver or something had a radio tuner. You got to listen to the FM radio. I mean, they're, they're, they they would every form of way you could listen to music. Hey. It was it was in the entertainment center. Got to get your ears on that music. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you have one of those visor thing the the CD holders that goes in your visor of your car? Because I definitely had several. Oh, of those. I did not. Um, uh, well, you didn't listen to music in your car, did you? Or you I did. did? I did. Not but CD. I think I just hooked. I don't remember how I did that actually. Oh, I bet. I, I think I had one of those things that like I had like an MP3 player and it hooked to the radio somehow. Well, I was gonna mention. Remember the cassette adapter that also had just had the eighth inch plug on the other end? Yeah. That's probably That's what it was. The th- oh, yes, I did have that. The cassette okay. adapter. And I used my Discman, and then it went into this cassette thing that yeah. uh, you know, plugged into the, you know, yeah. the, the dummy cassette. God, with the I con- forgot about that thing. With the conductors on yeah. it, and it just traveled the signal from that's your what, thing. That's yeah. what I had. But my second car, I got lucky. Like My first car like burned out really early. Oh, the I know old that's Honda. Not, that's not lucky, but at the same time, I, I was making just enough that I could afford a car lease. Yes. Because it was like, prohibitively expensive to keep fixing the car and I immediately found like a cheap lease. Was that the Jetta? Volkswagen Jetta, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah, that, and, and I and that had a CD it. player and I was like, oh my God. I remember that, yeah. yeah. You know what's interesting? The CD players now, 
aren't standard in cars anymore. They stopped being about 10-ish years ago, I want to say. There's not one in my car. There's not one in mine either. Yeah. I have a 17. Now you hook your phone into the thing. That's it. And, yeah, and uh, I, I... And hook to a streaming service. I use the Bluetooth, actually. In the internet over the air. Yep. Uh, so, obviously, there's a lot of obsolete things. We've talked about a lot of obsolete tech these last couple of episodes, these last three episodes. But I do think, unlike last week, when I was talking about how I don't miss video stores, because yeah. I just don't, I do miss the concept of getting a new CD, peeling that fucking label off the top of it so you can open it. There was a there was a charm too of yeah. going to the record store with a friend and being like, "Do you like this? Do you like this right. artist?" And I like this artist, and you kind of exchange information, trading you, CDs. You, you'd show the album art to your friend and yeah. be like, "This is this is what the this is this is the album," and they look at the back and either say they don't like it or right or <laughs> but be, like it was like interesting right or maybe borrowing a cd and and recording it on a cassette yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was another thing yeah right and then eventually burning it you mm-hmm. know i do kind of miss it this is what i'm not gonna lie right i really do i i still have cds i just don't have them out because i don't listen to them right but i have a bunch of my cds from the 90s still do you i have no idea where those are <laughs> does your mind i was have very cl- you know what it was is that i didn't have eight thousand cds I think because it was a thing that I would have to ask for to get a, C- a CD of my own, that I would just listen to my parents, whatever they had. Tony Braxton? Whatever it was. And then once- John Sakata. Napster really was like the gateway to music for me. Because it was one of those things was like, do you want a PlayStation game or do you want to get an album? You know, so, so, so you it was would like, choose the PlayStation game. Right. And like <laughs> and so once I could get music for free right. and I could put it on CDs, all of a sudden I had tons of CDs. Okay. And I But they were your I, own CDs. I found my taste in music through that portal. That's you where know? you discovered the Joy Division and right, all that all stuff. That stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I discovered what I like. Got was it. because it was it was a huge thing to ask for a CD. Okay, they were like twenty dollars. Yeah, like, they could be. That was it. We didn't even mention that. Like 18. somehow the fucking music industry got away with that shit. They for, started cheaper, yeah. but they were quickly up to around eighteen twenty bucks. That is the to me the number one reason why everyone happily screwed them over, like as societally. Well, yeah, and then like, also- it was like people didn't feel fucking bad. They were like, these guys cost twenty dollars for eight songs. Like, fuck them. Like, right? <laughs> well, then also when you can get Spotify Premium back in the day for like ten bucks a month, it's a no brainer. Yeah, but I'm talking the Napster days. Well, yeah, of course, no one's gonna complain about screwing them over when you can get everything for free. But that was all that, the that mislabeled was, songs. That was the height of like the records were like twenty dollars. It was. It was right around that it time. It was so bad. It was very expensive, and it's it, like, come on, how much more money do you need? What are we yeah. doing? <laughs> what 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 is this? Like a kid that we got paid what seven bucks an hour at our high school jobs or some shit. You like got that? seven? I got six. No, I'm sorry. It was like five dollars and fifteen cents. Yeah, I think you made minimum. You think <laughs> I'm spending that on a CD? <laughs> Fuck that. That's way too much. <laughs> so my <laughs> paycheck be like eighty bucks. <laughs> Back that when I was a kid, That's right? That's a good point. No, I didn't spend it on CDs by that point. Uh, this is It's no mystery what happened to CD here. Yeah. This is not where we have to speculate. Streaming took over because it was more convenient, sometimes free if it was the Napster days, or very, very cheap. Mm-hmm. So we know why it happened, right? right. It's, it, it's not that complicated. I do like this comeback of CD, but I think it is a niche thing. Mm-hmm. Don't you? I mean, it's got to be. 
kind of like vinyl. Like yeah. not everyone is buying vinyl, just some people. There was buy like vinyl. a craze a couple years ago where people were like, oh man, cassettes. It has a really unique sound. Yeah, yeah it sounds like shit. <laughs> it sounds lumpy. I remember how I lived it. Yeah, it's that not was that the good. number one form of music in my home. I don't want to go back to that. No, me neither. Uh, but there is something to be said, and, and we're not going to get into the audio file end of it. There's something to be said for the way it sounds on streaming versus the way the brick wall limiting era of CD mastering, which you guys will know what I'm talking about if you're into that, versus the smoothness of vinyl. There's all different sounds. The bottom line is pretty much everything is predominantly streamed yeah. right now. What we want to do, though, is hear from you guys, and we want to see your CD collections if you have them. We want to see these. Yeah, CDs. Wish I still had any of mine. I have I no stuff. idea where they are. If you got the binders, if you got the towers, if you have old pixels, just show us what you got. Tell us what you preferred. Did you like CDs when they came out? Were you blown away by them, or were you like, "No, man, I'm an audio cassette guy," or "I like no. my vinyls, baby." Audio cassette with Dolby sound somehow. Dolby yeah. B. Yeah. Keep it groovy on the vinyl, or maybe yeah. you were just clonking around in your fucking platform shoes, listening to your eight track. I don't know. Yeah. Let us know. Whoever you are out there, one way or another we really do appreciate you guys for yeah. being with us here for another week in the retro pop culture celebration i mean it this time next week it'll be something completely different for real for real this the trilogy time. is complete it's it's over we the, the jedi have returned yes like, all that and the guy eh, yeah or whatever on the thing yeah uh but thank the you emperor. yeah the emperor eh. thank you guys for being with us here we really hope you didn't skip this episode oh, oh. But got skip protection. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you guys next week for more acid washed memories. See ya. Like what you heard? Be sure to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We will see you next week. Yeah.